And so I think this is just helpful to go, maybe the kid just has an anxious attachment with you at this point, you know, mm-hmm. but it's not something you can't overcome. Welcome to the Art of Raising Humans. Hello, and welcome to episode 18 of the Art of Raising Humans podcast. I'm Kyle. And I'm Sarah. And we're here today to talk to you about attachments. I don't know if that's something familiar to you. If you heard that, I'm sure I'm sure you've heard that in some form or fashion. Um, when Sarah and I were kind of brainstorming on some ideas and topics to do for the podcast, I thought it'd be really fun to just do a podcast where we're kind of just talking about what attachment is, um, why it's so important to understand what kind of attachment we have as adults and parents, because we're probably going to pass that on to our children. And, and I, I think lots of times I almost forget to do it. And whenever I'm counseling or talking to parents, um, just because it's already kind of in my brain and maybe sometimes I forget to explain it. Uh, but then when I do, I find it's always very helpful to parents to know it. So, um, Sarah, I wanted you to start first of just what are what's important about knowing attachment? Why would that be helpful to people? Okay, so attachment is sort of how you are in a relationship. And it's important because usually it happens, goes way back to when you were a little baby and you were young growing up. How did your caregivers meet your needs, be in relationship with you, um, the tension that's in a relationship? How was that handled? And then we carry that. We sort of learn, our brain learns how to be in relationship with people. And then we grow up into adults who then date people and we have those similar types of relationships with those people. Uh Then we have children and we then attach or lack of attachment. We have this, we build similar relationships with our children. If we do nothing, you know, if we do, um, let's say you have a great one or maybe you have some, We'll get into the types. Maybe there's maybe your particular style needs some help because of what happened or yeah, your childhood. Yeah. Um, that you can you don't have to pass that on, yeah. but it's important to know because if you want to change something, you sort of need to know what you want to change and know how you are. Have that internal insight to go, oh, this is what happened. This is how I am in relationships. Yeah. What do I want to do about it? What do I want to pass on to my children? Yeah. And what do I want to change? in and how we relate to each other yeah so what i hope happens in this podcast is uh, i thought it was really fun to take a test and find out what kind of attachment i have or have had in the past you know and and i I think it's what we hope to do by the end of this podcast is for people to be able to maybe better identify the attachment that they have um we'll actually provide in the in the notes a free attachment quiz i don't know if it's great but i found it (laughs) and it was free and i did it it was fun it was really easy so i just did it last night. It was great. Um, so, so we'll attach that to the notes. So if you're curious, like, man, I wonder what kind of attachment I have. And it really does explain so many things. Cause you're saying, Sarah, this stuff happens basically when the kid's like zero to three, when their brain is like, so uh, getting so formed and, and how so many important things, sleeping, eating, talking, walking, but also how do I trust people? How do I trust relate? Now, now we know this in a lot of negative ways. If a kid does not get healthy attachment, you know, like they have really bad attachment, no one's responding to their needs. You know, this was studied quite a bit in Eastern Europe where there was orphanages of, of kids who were not being, their needs weren't being met. Well, their physical needs were met. Physical, that's right, yeah. But there wasn't, They so their diapers were changed, they were fed, they were warm, clothes, but they didn't have any emotional yeah. connection with people. And sometimes what happens to those kids is they get a diagnosis like RAD, reaction. 
hyperreactive mm-hmm. attachment disorder. And I've had a few kids like that in the school system when I was a school counselor. And I know you've probably interacted with some in your in the practice back when you were um, seeing kids. And it is really hard because they trust nobody. You know, like, like almost like a hug to them isn't something that feels good. It's something that they want to flee from because a hug is almost like trapping them, you know, mm-hmm. at least in my experience with them. Um, so I wanted to talk real quick about let's define those attachment, the different. There's basically four different. And you, you can feel free to look this up, but we'll give you a short definition and how to spot these. So what are the four different types of attachment? All right. The first one is secure. This is a person who doesn't have a lot of avoidance or anxiety in relationship. They trust that you're going to be there for them. They can share their needs with you. And they're also free to go off and do things. They don't need you around all the time. They can go off into the world and do things and come back and you're there. It's a very secure, um, I want to say peaceful, but it's a secure attachment. Knowing my my, my person, and it doesn't have to be a caregiver, my person in relationship with me will be there when I need them. But yeah. I don't have to stay. I'm also free to go. And yes, so I think a trusting in a, relationship, I, I think like in our marriage, I think I, we have a secure attachment in a sense of if I have feelings or thoughts, I think you care about them. So I think if I come to you with a problem, I think you want to hear them. Mm-hmm. And I think it's helpful to bring them to you. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think I need to tell you everything that I'm thinking about. Otherwise, you know, you, you won't you'll be mad at me or something. I, mm-hmm. I said, just go, oh, mm-hmm. if I need Sarah, she's there and she'll help me. And if she needs me. I'll listen. I'll you be there, worry, right? You don't worry about abandonment. Yes. No. You know, and, the and person's going to be there. I like the example that we look at sometimes when we're at, like, when our kids were little and we'd be at, like, a playground. You'd see that kid who's able to say, hey, mom, dad, I'm going to go run off to the playground. They give their parents a hug and they go off to the playground. And then you, you'll you see them. I mean, what would you say? Four or five minutes into that play, you'll see them look back mm-hmm. and you'll see them check in. They might even run back and share something about what happened or, on the playground. Hey, mom, watch me. Yes. I'm going to jump off this. Yes. Yeah. But the the whole time they're not like needing mom and dad to watch them the entire time yeah. or, and they're also able to let go and go over there right so yeah. this is typically in in most i guess the, the percentages are when i look this up it was like 57 percent of the population has secure attachment is what the, the study said mm-hmm. Now let's move from secure into different types of insecure attachment. Okay. okay. So I'll go into avoidant next. Okay. Yeah. Avoidant is where you haven't been able to trust that relationship. So it's almost more, I can't trust you to meet my needs. You're not going to be there for me. You don't care about my internal world, how I'm feeling. It could be physical needs. It also, but I'd say more importantly, it's your emotional needs. You're not really going to be there for me. I can't trust that. So I'll just do it on my own. So I might be in relationship, but I'm never, I'm going to stay a little closed off. I'm not going to trust that relationship. I've got it. It's just me and then the world. And so those people, even though they're in relationship, there's always space there. There's always Mm -hmm. distance that they can't trust that you're really, they're they're avoidant. How would that happen as a baby? Like you just said, insecure, it'd be the kid, the baby has a need, the parent meets the need, you know, kid's hungry. Mm -hmm. So how would that happen in, in the zero to three time? How would a kid start to build this avoidant type of attachment? Um, let's say the child's crying for some reason. And if 
they then the caregiver doesn't come then the child might learn okay um they're they're not going to be there for me i've got to figure this out it's it's just me i've almost heard it said this way i remember one kid and i this was a college kid talking about when they were four and they remember being very upset and they were throwing a tantrum and their parent put them in time out and just walked away and told them to you know basically figure it out you know Mm -hmm. don't come back to you're done with this and i remember the kids saying they remembered at four having the thought Okay, I'm on my own. Mm-hmm. I need to figure this out on my own. It's not good to bring it to them. Like they don't want to see this. You know? mm-hmm. So I would think almost avoiding attachment was happening at that point for that kid mm-hmm. where they started to get this story of, you don't want to see this stuff that's happening in me. Mm-hmm. So I'll just avoid sharing it to you. And lots of times I find, Sarah, that that can cause real issues then in the teenage years because the kid has learned that message throughout the early years of like, you don't want to see me throw a tantrum. You don't want to see me be scared at night and when I'm thinking monsters in my room because that's annoying to you or whatever it might be. So the kid shuts that part down and says, well, but then that can be real problematic in the teenage years whenever the parents are wanting them to open up about their feelings and saying, why are you so, well, every time you come home and you just close the door and you don't open up, right? Now, it doesn't mean every teenager who does that has avoidant, you know, uh, right. attachment, but that that could be a sign. And then when they get into a marriage, you can see how that would be a problem. Yeah. Because then the, the, the spouse would have a real hard time connecting with them. It's people that. who have a really hard time with intimacy. Yeah. It's very uncomfortable for yep. me to be vulnerable to yeah. you yep. because in their brain, it goes back to the moment I was vulnerable, that didn't go well. So they're going to, that intimacy, even in the teenage years or in relationships in the future is just, that's a very unsafe place. So they're not going to be intimate with people. They're going to hold back. That's great. So then the third one, the, the, the next, the third form, but also the second form of insecure attachment, what would you call it? Anxious attachment. And honestly, my best example of that to me are dogs. (laughs) Dogs have anxious attachment. Now, that's almost where I've got to stay super close to you and I've just got to share everything and I've got to hang on really, really tight because I don't know what's going to happen. I can't let you go. And you'll see dogs who just have to follow their owner around and they have to constantly pet it. and Constant need reassurance. Yeah, don't leave the house. And you see this clingy sort of anxious. They almost overshare and they're overinvested in the relationship. And that's where you get those relationships where people are like, whoa, man, I need some space, yeah. is there's just this Cleaniness. anxiety yes. about it. Uh-huh. And you can feel it. It feels yeah. like, oh, yeah, I need to wipe you off or what's, yeah. and they're worried. They're so scared of losing the relationship or something. Not, not again, it's a lack of trust in the yep. relationship. So I can't, where the other one wants to stay away, anxiety wants to stay close. Mm, yeah. And yeah. where you going back to the playground, this is the child who can't leave my side because I, you know, I, and then the avoidant child would go off and you'd be like, where, where did John go? Yeah. yeah. And I, your child's never checking in. They're yeah, not looking yeah, back yeah, at yeah, you. Yeah. Developmentally, this yes, all changed. Yes, Obviously, sure. if I'm yeah. talking about an older kid, yes, they might run off. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Very talking about kid. that younger yeah. child, mm-hmm. you they kind of look back and check in. Yeah. If, if they're avoidant, they run off and they could care less and you don't know where they've gone. Yeah, yeah. If they're anxious, they won't leave your side. Yes, yeah. I'm not going to go down that slide unless you're right there with me. Yeah, yeah. At an age where they should know that they're safe enough. Yeah, I'm almost thinking, though, as you're saying that, because I, I get the chance to spend a lot of time with teenagers, is teenagers nowadays with texting, it's like they'll say something and then they're looking at their phone oh, yeah. and they just are, yeah, they, they're seeing a couple dots and they're like, they're going to say something. They're gonna say, 
and like the anxiety, like I need, I need reassurance. I need reassurance that mm-hmm. what I just said mm-hmm. is going to be received well. And, and, and anytime I'm seeing that in a teenager or an, or an adult where that they text and they expect a text right back, if they don't get a text back, then that means yeah. that somehow they're mad at them or somehow mm-hmm. the relationship's over or that, you know, so instead of it being like, there could be a lot of reasons why they're not texting back. It could be, they're thinking about it. It could be, they haven't even gotten it yet. It could be, maybe they saw those and they're actually want to say something positive. Well, you back. see that insecurity. Yeah. Yeah. It's the insecure attachment. I can't trust. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And so roughly, I think the percentage is we said the most people, at least in this, in this study, secure, most people are in the secure category. Mm-hmm. I think the next most common was, was anxious. And then the next after that was avoidant. And then the least common is the last one, which is the disorganized, right? Can you tell us about right. that? That's sort of your disorganized is your avoidant and anxious. <laughs> You've got it all going on. Mm-hmm. You have moments of, I'm going to draw really clear. No, I'm going to push you away. And it, it's, it's disorganized. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a similar when you're, when you were younger, you didn't know what to expect from that caregiver. Yeah. And so your reaction to that yeah. was this moments of anxiety and needing you close and then being so scared by that. I push you away. And it, it might be, I meant to say, I guess, to give a picture of it when they're little for the anxious one, I think the picture I read that I thought was really good was like the, the kid cries, the little baby does, the parent comes to meet the need. Mm-hmm. But then when the parent picks up the kid, the kid feels the anxiety from the parent. Yeah. The parent's like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. I don't know. So the kid's kind of confused because the kid's like, I, wait, my needs are being met. But apparently the parent thinks there's something wrong here, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm feeling, I think I should, but now I'm feeling like maybe there is something I should be anxious about, you know? And so, so then like that, that's where that can lead into adulthood where I'm trying to meet a need, but then now I'm feeling anxious that maybe a, this need isn't actually getting met. There's more, mm-hmm. but with the disorganized, it could be, you never know the parent someday might come in and meet the need appropriately. Yes. Other times the parent might come in and get really mad at you for having the need. Other times the parent might come in and can yes. seem completely, un, uh, not even care that you have the, the need, The relationship right? has been very unpredictable. Yes. The response from my caregiver was very unpredictable. Now, so I hope as as listeners are listening to these, maybe you've spotted a little bit uh, of where you're at. You know, um, I think there's there's a fifth one we want to talk about that I think is super important. That I really think I fall into this category is 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 one I want to say for every kid and for you know, every person, every every adult, it isn't like you have one attachment. Right. I mean, it, it could be you had one certain type of attachment with one parent, another type of attachment with a different parent. Right. So can you speak to that a little bit? How it isn't just like we're stuck in one type of attachment. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was thinking as you're as you could be listening to this going, oh, no, <laughs> you know, and just realize you can move between mm-hmm. different styles. Right. You could be mostly secure and you might have a relationship where. Oh, you might notice, oh, wow, there's there's a lot of anxious in that yeah. relationship or yeah. avoidant in this relationship or this one. I just don't know. It's back and forth. And yeah. so this is just a this isn't a, let me go diagnose myself exactly. with some attachment. No. Yes. You know, it's just, oh, I can notice some patterns in relationships. Yes. And wow, my grandma was great at doing this with me. Yeah. So it's just to bring some awareness. Yeah. Oh, I had this anxious relationship or I think I kind of do that a lot. And really, you can still repair that. You can still parent yourself and and get healing from that. So it doesn't mean it's predictive of every relationship no. for you. Going forward, this is it for you. I, I think that's what leads to a lot of confusion is you might have a kid who one parent says, 
he's got a great relationship with me. Like he's, he talks to yeah. me sure. and like the kid is seemingly has a secure relationship with that parent. Mm-hmm. But then the other parents like, yeah, he, he doesn't do that with me. He seems like he's always nervous around me. He was like, he probably has an anxious relationship with you. Right. Yeah. And so, and so it's, it's in lots of times that might happen with a mom and dad, because maybe the mom was with the kid meeting the needs when the kid was little and the dad wasn't involved as much. And then the dad came in later on and the dad didn't know how to do that as well. So that's just like a typical example. So then the teenager might seem more nervous or more anxious or the elementary age kid might around the other parent than they are without. And it, that can really be a, a thing of judgment, a thing of shame where what's wrong with me? Why won't my kid do it? And so I think this is just helpful to go, maybe the kid just has an anxious attachment with you at this point, you know, mm-hmm. but it's not something you can't overcome. It's w- once I can see that and define it and say, oh, going, going back to our previous one, we talked about the toxic rupture and the follow-up. Mm-hmm. I would think that's what you're trying to repair is you're trying to go back with the follow-up and say, let's create a secure attachment that you know, even when we have a break, I care and I'm going to follow up. Now, like you said, I'm going to calm down and follow up though. I'm not going to go, oh God, I got to go fix this. Right. I just have to talk to the rupture again. Because then the right kid's going to go, oh my gosh, you're so anxious about this, right? But, <laughs> excuse me, but it can be, I want to come back and I want to heal this and, and try to try to help bring some understanding so we can have a secure attachment type relationship. Yeah. And, and, and the reason why you want to do that is one, I think it helped me too, Sarah, kind of going uh, when we read the research of just about you're going to give the attachment style you have to your kid. Okay. Cause it just makes sense. Cause you're going to relate to your kid the way you were related to, unless you intentionally do some work to do that differently, you know? And I really think that's the work I had to do when the kids were little. I've noticed with all three of the kids, how somehow I got better and better and better at learning how to attach to them in a secure way. I remember with Abby, I didn't know what I was doing. And I remember looking at you as she would calm down with you when she was upset as a little baby and be so like, I'm an idiot. Like, Why can't I do this? How does Sarah know how to do this? And I have no idea. So then I remember that one time you left me home, you'd gone back to work and I was supposed to feed Abby. And I was freaking out because Abby wouldn't feed. And I've, the anxiety in me was like, she's going to die. Like your daughter's going <laughs> to. So I actually called her babysitter at the time, um, a, a friend of ours at the time named Carla. And she had been watching Abby. And I brought her over to Carla. And Carla, she f- went right away, took the bottle from Carla. I was like, what is the problem? I'm her dad. But I didn't know at that time that I think I was repeating probably some similar stuff from my own childhood about the, that, that anxiety about meeting the need. I didn't know how to meet it. And immediately the anxiety popped up. And if I, if I hadn't been conscious of it, I would have probably just repeated that with her the rest of our relationship. But thank goodness, as you and I worked on that together, it got better with my son. And then now with my youngest, I didn't feel any anxiety. Mm-hmm. When, when she had needs at night, woke up in the middle of night, I felt completely confident that I could meet them. And I wanted yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's that's such a great example of how we can grow as parents and our knowledge of it, you know, little places where I go, oh, you know what? I'm a little little anxious there. I'm a little just that it brings some self-awareness. So then you can go into the situation and say, oh, OK, what am I going to do about that? How can I? And you grew, you got the skills, you yeah. recognized it. That's growth happens. We can change these things by that insight. And so it's just to bring awareness so we can engage differently in these relationships. We can pass on to our children with an intentional um, way of being in relationship yeah. instead of just letting it happen. Just so, doing the things we only know to do. So 
So I want to wrap wrap up the podcast by talking about the fifth type of attachment, which is called earned secure attachment. Okay, thank you. Give me the floor. Yes. <laughs> so, I'm giving you the for floor. you, you can't see Sarah. She just yeah. put her hand at me like you talk about that. Okay, so earned secure attachment was was so good to hear about that because <laughs> it meant that even though I knew I knew throughout high school and even in my college years I think I did have an anxious attachment when it came to relationships I would mm. get really panicky and there was a lot of moments of growth but but when I heard like oh you can grow into this earned secure attachment there's a couple ways to do that I think one of the ways that really helped me was faith you know faith is really important in my life and I think the ability to 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 believe and have faith that there's somebody bigger than me who really knows everything about me and still likes me and not only likes me but loves me and actually is is there to help me so anytime I need help and so I think it really helped and even the research shows us that that's a really helpful part of faith is the belief that maybe I don't know if I can do it with my spouse or maybe I don't know if I can do it with my my parents or maybe I know whoever it is maybe I don't even feel like I have friends but I can go to somebody else outside of me that I can pray to or talk to that really cares about me and cares about about my problem is never saying they're going to abandon me or reject me. They sincerely just want to be with me. And I think a lot of times in prayer of just by faith, believing that God wants, that really helped me move more towards that. Yeah. So it's the idea that what you're saying is even if you didn't get secure attachment, you can yeah. still, if they call it earned, Yes. but yeah. you can grow into a secure yeah. attachment. And I think that's just really beautiful and brilliant about us humans, how, how we can change, we can yeah. grow, we can yeah. become secure. And I think, I think we all are going to have relationships in our past that were avoidant or anxious or disorganized. And so there's just a piece of being human where there's little places where I'm going to want to recognize that and I'm going to want to f- go into earned secure attachment yeah. and want to yeah. move in that direction. I want to be aware so I can notice the spots and, and go, okay, let's let's move into some secure attachment. I think another way to do besides faith is just even in our marriage. I feel like there's yeah. been many times where, although I am pretty open and I feel there were times where that, oh, I want to share this with Sarah, but I don't know if Sarah's going to like what I have to say. I think that Sarah might be kind of like annoyed or frustrated with that or dislike that or reject me if I say that. But instead, I took the risk because I believed it was important to do it. And thank goodness your your response to it was helpful, you know? And I believe you've done that with me at times and shared mm-hmm. with me. And, yeah. and, and and so through that, I'm very proud to say I took that test yesterday and it came <laughs> up. I'm, I'm now secure. I've got secure attachment. It was great. So I was really excited to see that because I, I tried to answer all the questions honestly and it seemed like, and I really do feel like I'm at that point now. You I did I, some I, work and you got there. Like yeah. I said, I turned 45 recently <laughs> and I've, I think I'm there now. So, so I want to encourage all the listeners. We're going to include this link. It's just a place I found. Once again, I haven't researched this whole place, but it's attachmentproject.com and there's a free quiz and we'll include the link um, in the notes to this podcast. You can just go on there and you can take it. It talks about your relationship with your parents, your relationship if you have a spouse, that kind of thing. And right now I feel like, I feel like since, since college, about 20, 25 years from now, there's been tons of growth that I think is specifically tied to how I've healed some of the, the, the attachment issues I had from, from, you know, whether it's from childhood with my parents or whether it's through mentors in my life or whatever, there's been a lot of key moments where I feel like I've been able to move from having anxious or avoidant attachment towards secure attachment. Yeah. I, I think the, I think it's, it, 
interests me, fascinates me how our childhood, we, the art of raising humans, it's not just, oh, we've ra- they're 18, they're raised. And we, we then just take over, right? Our parents did this work and then we just take over, yeah. but we continue to raise ourselves. Mm-hmm. We, we have yeah. to take that work and yeah, we have to do good. it now. Yeah. And we continue to do that in our life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I just think that's a really beautiful thing and an empowering thing because we're not just stuck. We're not yeah. fixed. We, we can. And, and I, and I think attachment's a great place to well, see Almost that. like we can reparent some of those spaces, right? Yeah. Reparent those spaces to where they do become secure. We parent you know? ourselves. We move into a place of parenting ourselves. Have you taken the quiz yet? That. Uh, I'm no, sure I took haven't. one a long time ago, but I didn't take this one. <laughs> where do you think you're at? I would say secure. Yes, okay, I think you are too. <laughs> I think that, but there's always spaces <laughs> for relationships you can think, oh, but that one isn't secure. Yes. Okay, well, I hope I hope you enjoyed this topic. I hope it was helpful. Once again, I want to make sure you don't come away thinking we're trying to do a diagnosis here or do any kind of thing. This is simply just information, just hoping we give you information to raise your awareness um, and to help you move towards being the parent you want to be. Yeah, and talk, to, be able to... talk to a professional. Yeah. This brings something yeah. up in you. Sure. Go talk to a professional professional about it and and, 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 and hopefully raising your kids up to be securely attached humans because it's actually going to help them and their marriage and parenting in the future as well so um, thank you very much for listening please go on to the podcast comment we, if you take the test and you get a yeah, we'd love to hear about it what, what did you come up with right um, did do you feel like it was a good uh, um, explanation of, of your childhood and how you grew up and did it really connect with you which ones kind of really resonated with you as we explain those so we'd love that that feedback from you and uh, we just hope you have a great day. I know it's probably cold wherever you're at, so I hope you're warm and in front of a fire listening to this podcast. So um, give us five stars, tell your friends about it. We'd love to help as many people as possible. So have a wonderful day. The Art of Raising Humans podcast should not be considered or used as counseling, but for educational purposes only.